I have to be honest with you all when I say that this year could not end fast enough. It's been a year of tremendous loss, loss of lives, loss of employment, loss of relationships, loss of common decency. And in addition to all of that loss, it has also been a year of extreme violence, vitriol, anger, and downright disrespect. It's almost as if something was released out of a Pandora's box, unleashing sickness, death, and all manner of evil into the world. And for some strange reason, it seems that a darkness has fallen over humanity. And so for me, 2020 couldn't end fast enough. But we're on the cusp of another new year. 2021 sits on the horizon. And like many New Year's Eves past, we're feeling, some of us, a sense of hope and possibility. Hope and possibility because we have not one, but perhaps three vaccines that may help with dispelling this deadly virus. Hope and possibility because there will be a new president of the United States inaugurated in January. Hope and possibility because as people of faith, we know that God is good and faithful. In fact, in the epistle, a pastoral letter released just this week by Bishop Gregory G.M. Ingram, he states, and I quote, we are aware that the certainty of God's goodness and faithfulness can never be shaken. In a time of great peril, we as Christians and members of the body of Christ are not to acquiesce to fear. We're determined to go forward because we believe the assurance of our Lord's merciful presence and providence is with us in the midst of this crisis. In all times and circumstances, our faith must remain secure and is set upon the firm foundation of the love of God in Christ. We must reaffirm our confidence that neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, end quote. So yes, we have hope and possibility because we believe in a God that through his goodness and his faithfulness, we will wake up tomorrow and realize that despite all of what 2020 brought, we still have hope and possibilities. But truthfully, we cannot ignore what 2020 was. We saw not only the emergence of white supremacy, but also its enablement as well. We saw more senseless killing of unarmed black people. We saw unnecessary racist 911 calls on people of color by the various Karens and Kens. We saw more injustice in our criminal justice system. We saw a lot of lies, fake news, and the hypocrisy of white evangelicalism. We saw corruption at the highest levels of our government, and we saw COVID-19 disrupt our lives, our work, our commerce, and even our worship. And to be sure, just because it's a new year does not mean all of the pain of 2020 will just disappear overnight. So I reiterate, 2020 could not end fast enough for me. And what are we to make 
of the source of all these great and unexpected troubles? What Pandora's box have we opened up? What role did we as a people play in the outcomes that we are currently experiencing? So as we think about the coming new year, and as we craft new resolutions about what we're going to do differently, my question this watch night of 2020 is not so much what we're going to do differently, but instead, what are we going to leave behind? And what are we going to get rid of? In other words, maybe the problems and challenges that we face or have always been facing was not because of what we did or did not do or even did not do well, but more so what we picked up and what we have failed to leave behind. So tonight will be our opportunity to not only see what those things are, but also how to deal with them. Tonight can and must be the beginning of everything being different for the better. Tonight, your expectations and mine must be rightfully placed where success is guaranteed. Tonight, you must open the possibilities of achieving fulfillment in your lives. And tonight, you will never be the same person you have always been. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, or even next year, but tonight. For only God can change your situation and sometimes, I dare say, even most times, he does so by simply changing you. If you have your Bibles, you turn with me to our main focus text for this evening's watch night service. I already read a significant part of it, but I do want to lift up the seventh chapter again. I just want to lift up verse 10 through 12, and it reads as follows. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban, and have both stolen and deceived. God is here talking about Israel. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Tonight, we're going to be introduced to a man who, in the midst of a tremendous blessing from God and victory by his nation, made a decision, a single decision, that had a disastrous impact on his people and on his family. A man who, by making this decision, showed just how much you and I, as people, do not live in isolation. For if there's one thing we've learned from COVID-19, if there's one thing that it has taught us is that we are relational beings and what happens in your home and in your life does in fact matter with what happens in my home and in my life. So for tonight's watch night service, and that was a lengthy introduction, as we prepare for 2021, I'd like to speak a message titled quite simply, Not In My House. Not in my house. Let us pray. 
Father, we have now come to the moment we have all been waiting for. Not just to hear songs of Zion or even the scripture read, but Lord, really to hear your word. So Lord, I invite you now to incarnate your spirit once again into my flesh. And may it be, Lord, that I preach a message with clarity and authority for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're only moments away from ringing in the new year. And every time we come to this point, we feel as though this will be our year. You just heard Andrea sing, it's a new season, it's a new day. Opportunities for new things. We're always looking for new things when we enter into a new year. No one goes into the new year thinking that things will not get better or that the things we want to accomplish will not be done. No one enters the new year thinking that way. Absolutely not. We all go into the new year optimistic and positive about the possibilities, and we have a lot of hope and a lot of confidence that things will be and things will get better. The text that I just read for you is similar to what I'm trying to describe about this confidence and this overconfidence that we tend to have. You see, Joshua and the Israelites had just come from a tremendous victory by overcoming the city of Jericho. For those of you who are not familiar with the story, Moses had died and Joshua had taken over the, the people of Israel and they were now getting ready to enter into the promised land. And so the city of Jericho, a powerful city, stood in their way. And we know from reading the scriptures that the Israelites walked around the city and before you know it the walls of Jericho came tumbling down after seeing such an amazing display of God's power it is easy to understand easy to appreciate why Israel was filled with confidence it is easy to appreciate and believe that God is on your side whenever he has made wonderful victories in your life it is a confidence it is a good confidence to know that your God can and do anything but something must be said about being too confident and going ahead of God. So after this great victory, Joshua and his crew, as I said, were feeling pretty good about themselves. They felt mighty and they felt unstoppable. And so much so that the text tells us that they decided to besiege a city called Ai. And after the spies went and checked it out, they came back and told Joshua, hey Joshua, there's no need for you to send a whole army. You just need to send a few brothers. Why? Because the city is small. These people are nothing. We just took down Jericho. We are the great Israel. Everyone knows of our power and that the Lord God himself is on our side. Joshua, we can do this on our own. If you look at with me at verse 2 to 5, it said, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need to go up. But verse 4 tells us, So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled 
from the men of AI. Why? The men of AI struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shibarim and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. What an embarrassment. Pride, my brothers and my sisters, will always go before a fall. After such a big victory over a much bigger city called Jericho, they were struck down by a much smaller city, and the men literally had to run for their lives. What happened? Did God not promise Israel that they would be given this land? What happened? The question so distressed Joshua that the Bible tells us that he ripped his shirt and fell on his face towards the ark of the Lord until evening. He and all the leaders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And this is what Joshua said. Listen carefully. Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan? Only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. If only we had been willing to dwell and stayed where we were beyond the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it. And they will surround us and cut off your name from the earth. And what will you do, Lord, for your great name? My brothers and my sisters, Joshua is having a pity party. But does this sound familiar to you? What do you do? When things don't work out the way you hoped or even expected. Oh God, why me? Oh Lord, it's all your fault. Oh Lord, maybe if I didn't get married, I would be much better off right now. Oh Lord, if I'd stayed at that other job, maybe I would still be able to have employment. Oh Lord, why did you bring me this far to fail? Oh Lord, oh Lord. Oh Lord, a pity party. But maybe the problem was not that the Lord had brought Joshua to fail, but maybe the problem is Joshua or you or me or Israel. Clearly, however, my brothers and my sisters, there is a problem. Despite making poor choices, choosing not to consult with God, before going off on our own tangent might have been a really big mistake for that person, for that nation, for Joshua and those people and even you and I to make. We think sometimes that we are too big for our britches and because God may have blessed us, it means that he will always bless us. God is in the blessing business, but what God is not in God is not in the cowboy business. You are not here to do things on your own. You were bought with a price. And that price cost God his only begotten son. And it was an expensive price. Which means that you are to do his bidding. Not what looks right in your own eyes or in your own sight. You see, we make a dreadful mistake when we get ahead of ourselves. And when we get ahead of God. I'm talking to someone on this watch night service. You have what you have because you have forgotten God. There's another reason the text tells us why Joshua and the Israelites failed. The reason is they had a Pandora's box. They had something in their possession, something that they brought into the camp 
that did not belong there. You see, the Lord did not let Joshua off the hook. So while Joshua and you and me, we go to God with our pity party. Oh, Lord God, why did you allow this to happen to me? The truth of the matter is one thing I love about God is that he will always hold you and I accountable for what we have done. God is a good God. He's a perfect God. He's a holy God. God makes no mistakes. So if you are in trouble tonight, my brothers and my sisters, make no mistake about it. It's not because of God. It's simply because of you and me the fault did not lie with God but with Israel and Joshua Joshua would do well to quit his whining and his texting and even his twittering and blaming the whole thing on a faulty fraud election the fault was not God's but let's look at the text this is what God said this is what God said to Joshua. Rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel, the United States, has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they, still talking about the people, have taken some of the things under the ban and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not. This is, this is God speaking. I will not be with you anymore unless... Unless you destroy the things from under the ban, from your midst. I will not be with you anymore, God says, unless you destroy the things from within your midst. That was under the ban. Church, what is God talking about? What ban is God talking about? What is it that is in the midst of the people. For clearly, God is saying that the reason why you lost the battle, the reason why you didn't overcome defeat, the reason why I couldn't bless you when you were looking to me, the reason why when you said, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help, and the help didn't come, there's a reason why. And the reason is what God is saying, what did you bring in your house? What did you bring in your midst? What is it that you have among you that is causing me, a holy God, to not be anywhere near you? What is God talking about? Well, the text tells us. Before the people of Israel went up against Jericho, God had made his will about what they were to do with the spoils of the enemy. God had instructions about what they were to do with the gold, what they were to do with the silver, and all of the things that they found when Jericho fell down. God told them what he wanted to set apart and what they needed to destroy. God knew that if you don't do what I tell you to do the way that I tell you to do it, you don't have to worry about calamity because I don't have to lift a finger. You have opened the door for the devil himself to walk right in to your very lives. What? 
do you have in your house? There was a man by the name of Achan who was a part of the armies of the Lord that went into Jericho under the obedience and the banner of the Lord God Almighty. He marched with God's people and they overcame the great city of Jericho. But it was found that Achan disobeyed and Achan was confronted by Joshua. And the text tells us in verse 20, church, I want you to stay with me because this is a word that I think is necessary as we prepare for 2021. The verse 20 says, Achan, when he was now confronted by Joshua, he said, truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar or a robe and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted them and took them and behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent of Achan. And behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. They took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel, and they poured them out before the Lord. You see, my brothers and my sisters, listen to me in your spirits. Achan took with him silver and gold and a mantle or a robe and he hid them in his tent in the camp. You see, in Achan's house was something taken from their enemies in his house. In Achan's house was something that caused Israel to be defeated by the smallest of armies. In Achan's house was something that caused 36 men to die. In Achan's house was something that caused fear in Israel. In Achan's house was something that brought a curse upon himself, upon his family, and upon his nation. My brothers and my sisters, in Achan's house was something that caused a coronavirus pandemic to wreak havoc, not only upon this nation, but upon this world. Something was in Achan's house. And it was something that displeased God. Now, there are two ways, and I know we're getting close to the midnight hour. But I want you to stay with me, church. For God has something to say, not just to this nation, but to this entire world. There is something you need to understand about God. God is holy, and God will always be holy. And there is nothing that is unholy can ever come near to a holy God. But there are two ways that I want you to look at what was in Achan's house. On the one hand, in Achan's house was something that was taken from the enemy. But also in Achan's house was something that belonged to God. I want you to hear me, church, because there's two ways to look 
at what was in Achan's house. On the one hand, there was something that was taken from the enemy. And on the other hand, there was something that belonged to God. Let's begin with the what was taken from the enemy. In Joshua 6 and the 17th chapter to the 19th verse, God had given the following command. Hear me, church of God. The city, God says, shall be under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab, the harlot, and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom were sent. But as for you, as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the ban and make the camp of Israel a curse and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Now, I read that because I want you to understand that God gave very specific instructions. So what happened to Israel did not surprise God. Achan also took something, something they call this mantle of Shinar. It's a robe. This object God wanted destroyed because it represented the idolatry of the enemy. From a spiritual perspective, until God has shined his light of grace upon a thing, it is still unholy and it is still cursed. You may have had some problems with people in the past. Some may have hurt you bitterly and they became your enemies. But by the grace of God, you were able to get over the hurt and the shame and the pain of the experience and you were able to move on with your life. This is what it means to overcome Jericho. It means to get over the thing that is stopping you from getting close to God. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, even you who have overcome after you have defeated the Jericho in your life, after the walls of abuse have come down, after the feelings of neglect by not having your father or your mother came tumbling down, you held on to something that you should have left in Jericho. What did you leave? What did you hold on to? You held on to anger. You held on to unforgiveness. You held on to malice. You held on to guile. You held on to jealousy, bitterness, envy, malfeasance, and hate. My brothers and my sisters, when you have overcome your Jericho, when you have overcome your hurt, you can't hold on to what God has already delivered you from for as long as you hold on to unforgiveness and anger and hate and grudgefulness. You are now walking with the mantle of Shinar. Something that God wanted you to let go of, but you brought it with you into your house. You brought this unholy thing that belongs to the enemy. Listen, the Bible is clear. The devil is the father of lies. So if you are walking around believing lies, my brothers and my sisters, let me make it plain. You are walking with the mantle of Shinar. You need to let it go. The mantle of Shinar that belonged to Jericho, the Jericho of your pain is a reminder of your suffering and you have brought that into your tent and it's now under your roof. I don't know what you're hearing, but what I'm simply telling you, my brothers and my sisters, as I preach this message and wish you a wonderful and happy new year at the midnight hour. Midnight right now. 
is the perfect time right now for you to say, I am not taking with me the mantle of Shinar into 2021. I'm leaving it behind. Some of you need to learn how to let some things go. And you can't take some things with you. Bringing these things under your roof has brought a curse upon yourself and upon your family and even upon your church. Satan is happy that you still carry around these things in your house and more specifically, my brothers and my sisters, in your heart. That's the place where God wants to dwell, where he wants to live there. But you have brought the mantle of Shinar and you need to get rid of it because that belongs to the enemy. The second way to look at what Achan brought into his house is the gold and the silver. Now let me be very clear. This is not a sermon about money. This is a sermon about what you have to set apart for the kingdom of God. Something that you took in disobedience. Look again at what the text said. It said in verse 19, but all the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, when something is consecrated to the Lord, it is set apart and it is holy for God. To hold on to something that is holy to the Lord is just the same as bringing a curse upon yourself. You see, before Joshua and the Israelites conquered Jericho, they did not have the things that were in Jericho. So God gave them Jericho first. He wanted them to honor him first before he gave them the cities and their spoils. Brothers and sisters, there were plenty of other cities that they needed to conquer. There were plenty of spoils that still needed the people to claim. But Jericho was a special thing for the people of Israel. Why? Because it was the first time after being delivered out of Egyptian bondage that these Israelites were going to overcome in a mighty way with a mighty move of God. And what God was saying with this first victory, I want you to honor me. This is what we mean, church, when we talk about first fruits in the church. Now, again, this is not a sermon about money. I want you to understand that the first fruit, what it represented was that it was something, something that what God wanted the people to have in their consciousness. That when God brings you over, when God brings you into a place of being able to overcome, what God wants you to do is to honor him first. He wants you to see him first. That's the first fruit. That's what you bring to God. Don't miss this, brothers and sisters. The blessings of Israel and all of their future blessings was tied to them giving their first fruits to God. And you don't need to look further than remembering Cain and Abel. The first fruits of whatever you produce belongs to God. This is how God shows his grace from a spiritual perspective. Everything that you have, God gave to you. 
The job you have, the house you live in, the car you drive, the family you support, everything God gave to you. And the best part about all of this is that God wants to give you even more. But here's the truth. God cannot. God can't. He can't because in your mind, you think that God wants to take things away from you. In your mind, you think that God would not leave you with enough to survive. In your mind, you think you know more than God. Listen, let me be clear. As a pastor, as a minister, as a servant of the Lord God Most High, I can attest that my Father in heaven only give good gifts. Well... God requires complete obedience from you and from me. And anything short of doing what God says, anything short is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. So when you give your tithe to the church, when you set apart 10% of all of your gross, you are giving it to the treasury of the church, not because the church needs it, which it does, but because you understand the relationship between having something in your possession that belongs to the Lord. It's about honoring God, protecting your family and your blessings. It is about you and I no longer being under a curse. In the book of Malachi, the third chapter and the eighth verse, very familiar. This is what it says, will anyone Rob God. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and your offerings, you are cursed with a curse. You see, this is why it's hard for many of us to make ends meet. This is why it's hard for you to find a job. This is why everything you put your hands to tend to fail. This is why Israel could not defeat AI. It's simply because they did not choose to do things God's way. But the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's the same God that brought Israel all the way through to the promised land. It is that same God that delivered Israel out of Egyptian bondage. It's that same God who brought down the walls of Jericho. And my brothers and my sisters, it is the same God that wants to deliver you and your household tonight. Achan and all his countrymen and all of these people, they saw the walls come tumbling down. But there were beautiful things in that city of Canaan. There were beautiful things in Jericho and they covet them and they wanted them for themselves. And yes, it's a wonderful thing to hold on to your future and your prosperity. Leaving it up to your own devices. But my brothers and my sisters, let me not mince my words. God wants to give you more. God wants to do more for you in your life and mine. But I'm telling you, if you are not seeing the manifold blessings of God in your life, make no mistake about it. It was not God's fault. It's the choices you've made to do things without him. The choices that confronted Achan. He could take the goods to Joshua, which would bring honor and glory to God. Or he could keep the stuff for himself, which would bring him some kind of personal happiness until it can't no more. God made something plain before the people. And God said, if anyone violated his commands about the spoils, 
it would bring calamity, not just upon that person, but upon the nation as a whole. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, why would God hold every single person accountable for the actions of a few? Why would God cause all of us, so many people, over 340,000 people to die of a dreaded disease simply because one man was irresponsible and inept in leadership? Why would God cause all this calamity to fall upon a people just because of one person? The reason why is because God is and always will be a holy God. God is and always will be doing things according to his plan and according to his will. And no matter how you may think you know about God. His ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. The truth of the matter is he knows the plans that he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. But you like your plans better. And so because you like your plans better, you will get what you have always been getting. And if that is how you intend to go into 2021, then let me be clear as I speak prophetically over you now, what you experience in 2020, you will again see in 2021 unless you change your ways. So in conclusion, as we sit on the horizon of 2021, and we think about all the challenges that lay ahead and we reflect. We need to understand that we need to think about not what we will or will not do better in 2021, but more so on what we need to leave behind, what we need to get rid of. What's in your house? What's in your Pandora's box that you have opened and unleashed some cursed thing in your home? Is it something that is causing you to have strife with your family and with your loved ones? Is it guilt and shame from your past experiences? Well, my brothers and my sisters, do you want to get rid of it? Well, if you do, let tonight be the night where you make the decision to go into the new year, leaving behind all the baggage of failed relationships and unfruitful alliances. Let tonight be the beginning of a new start and a new hope. Let tonight be the night where you bring right things into your house and under your tent. And let tonight be the night that you invite Jesus into your house. Let tonight be the night where you say sin, envy, jealousies, covetousness, pain, anger, you are not welcome in my house anymore for as for me and my house we will serve the Lord may the Lord richly richly bless you my beloved